Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. So glad that you're joining me as we're going through the book of Galatians. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about how you can be free and you find that freedom by the truth. Now imagine there's a courtroom in which you are litigating and the litigating party tells the judge that different people have different truths. Well, the situation actually occurred when a hostile witness accused a government contractor of wrongdoing during testimony. Now notice how the contractor demonstrated his flimsy view of truth, and I put that in quotes. After the trial judge informed him of his right to cross-examine his adversary. So the judge says, it's now your turn. You can ask any cross-examination questions of this hostile witness that you want to ask of him at this time. So the contractor says, well, I don't really have any questions directed toward him because he has his own truth and I have my own truth. So the judge says, well, there's a real truth out there and that's what I'm here for. It is to try to find that real truth. Now, did the contractor really think the judge would attempt to take the courtroom trial based upon the assumption that everyone has his or her own truth? Is real truth subjective? No, the judge was right. There's a real truth out there, and that's what we are here to do, to try to find the truth. Now, I want you to know that God uses all of our experiences, but there is only one truth. C.S. Lewis, in his biography entitled Surprised by Joy, tells of his schoolteacher, Kirkpatrick, nicknamed the Great Knock, and he was a furious debater, and he taught Lewis how to build a case and make strong arguments. Well, Kirkpatrick was an atheist, and he intended to strengthen Lewis in his own unbelief. But years later, when Lewis became a Christian, it turned out that the great knock had trained him well to become one of the greatest defenders of the Christian faith in the 20th century. As we look at the book of Galatians, Galatians, we're going to look at freedom, but sometimes as we look at freedom, it feels like it's delivering bondage. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. There is a matter that arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy out on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Now, we didn't give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved in you. Now, Jesus said that if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But sometimes it feels like we're in bondage. Do you remember in the book of Jonah? Jonah 2.8 says that those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. So let's look at some of the traps that we can get into when we are trying to enjoy our freedom but it feels like bondage. Number one would be worrying about the approval of others. In Galatians 1, Paul says, Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Now, this is a deep truth. 
And I want you to know that pleasing God frees me to be a powerful servant of Christ. But there's still this battle of trying to approve others. Am I still trying to please men? I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, if I'm trying to please men, I can't be a servant of Christ. So all opposition will be seen as the end, as having done nothing but further God's design. God revealed his son so that he might preach, says Paul. Paul knew that his primary job was not to please people, but to reveal Christ to them. So his growth was developed when he had his solitary time with God. He spent three years in Arabia. Now, Paul first sustained time with Christ, and he spends his time in his wilderness, and he's learning about his Savior. We know that in Acts chapter 9, toward the end of Acts chapter 9, Paul was baptized. He preached a couple of sermons, and then he spends three years at what some would call the Jesus Missionary University, JMU. And Acts chapter 9 tells us that Paul's conversion was so dramatic and his preaching was so powerful that the Jews decided to conspire and attempt to kill him. The disciples were afraid of Paul, and so I guess their question was, is his conversion real? I mean, what better way to kill Christians than to pretend to be one? So Paul learned quickly, the approval of men is way overrated, and it is so fleeting. George W. Bush said, popularity is fleeting. Principles are forever. So when you become a follower of Christ, you are set free, but you're going to battle wanting to have the approval of others. So Paul reminds us that he's not trying to win the approval of men. He's trying to gain the approval of God. When we look at popularity, it was William Penn who said, avoid popularity. It has many snares and very few benefits. Proverbs 29, 25 reminds us that the fear of man lays a a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Don't you love that? Don't worry about what man can do to you. If you're afraid of what man can do to you, you're going to fall into a trap. But if you trust the Lord, you're safe. In Luke chapter 6, verse 26, it says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now, I know we love the approval of others, but the fear of man can easily drive your desire for their blessings, which really amounts to their worship. Now, the gospel removes a man-pleasing spirit. In other words, the gospel produces confident and fearless followers of Christ without concern for the approval and the good opinion of others. Paul said, I couldn't be a servant of Christ if I were a people pleaser. You know, in another passage, Paul is addressing a very common form of popularity. That is doing a job only to the degree to which you get approval, or only to the degree in which you get a reward. If you do that kind of work, I want you to know it's going to be very shoddy work. It's going to be very inconsistent work. Paul says we are to obey them, not only to win their favor, 
not only when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. He says that we're to serve wholeheartedly, as if we are serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward. Paul is reminding us that we are to work hard, not for the approval and the praise of men, not only for the compensation that we receive, but we are to work hard because it's part of our ministry. We are serving God wholeheartedly as we serve others wholeheartedly. Then we get our reward from the Lord. Now, there's another area in our lives that may feel like it is uh, trapping us, but we have been set free. The acceptance of self-reasoning. Now, I think this is a bigger problem than maybe we would like to admit, but look what Paul says in Galatians 1, verses 11 and 12. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach to you is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught it to me. Now, Paul is not saying that we don't have a defense of the faith that we have, but he's saying that our self-reasoning, our human reasoning, is not what brought us to salvation. He says, I received this message from no human source. Nobody taught it to me. I want you to know, self-reasoning can often lead to self-justification. It describes how when a person encounters what is called cognitive dissonance, or a situation in which a person's behavior is inconsistent with their beliefs, what does that person tend to do? That person tends to justify the behavior and then deny any feedback associated with that behavior. So self-reasoning can often lead to self-justification. You know, we are destroying speculations and lofty things that is used against the knowledge of God. Paul says, you know, when you say 1 Corinthians 3, 4, he says, no, if one of you say, man, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, aren't they merely men? You see, the acceptance of self-reasoning can be a very dangerous slope. The truth is, knowing God's mind frees me to experience His grace. Uh, let's look at Galatians 1, 15 and 16. God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach among the Gentiles. So Paul is bringing back the truth in knowing Christ, not self-reasoning, but knowing Christ, knowing that He has been called and empowered to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. So, we've covered a couple things so far. We've talked about when freedom feels like bondage, right? That's when you're giving in to the approval of others. That's when you are, secondly, giving in to the acceptance of self-reasoning. And then number three, when you appear to have peace at the expense of truth. Galatians 1.20, Paul says, I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Paul is giving the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
and he's not creating the appearance of peace, right? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the peacekeepers, right? So if you're wanting to have peace at all costs, you're going to have an appearance of peace, but it can often be at the expense of truth. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2. He says, but not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in, who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ, in order to bring us into bondage. So Paul here is addressing something that has happened within the church of Galatia. False teachers are coming in and says, you know, this guy Titus, he's a Gentile, he's a Greek, and he's compelled to be circumcised. Why was he going to be circumcised? Because of these false brothers who were brought in, and they spied out on the liberty they had in Christ, and they ordered us to be brought into bondage. And so to keep the peace, Titus was circumcised. But he didn't have to be circumcised. He had peace at the expense of truth. You see, they were trying to propagate the idea that in order to be saved, Gentiles must be circumcised. And Paul says, that is false. That is actually bringing us into bondage. It's not setting us free. It's not peace at all costs. You see, liberty prevails when false doctrine is rejected. Galatians 1.5 says, but we did not give in to those false believers for a minute. We wanted the truth of the good news to continue for you. You see, false doctrine destroys the church from within. Paul addresses this on many different levels. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, he doesn't just talk about the issue of circumcision. He also talks about the issue of speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 12.30, we read how Paul said that not all the Christians should be speaking in tongues. Now, this is just as, as explicit as you can get. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? So the clear answer here is no. That is the first place I would go. Not all speak in tongues. Then I would go to Romans 3.28. Romans 3.28, Paul says, we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of law. There are some who believe that unless you speak in tongues, you are not born again. But Paul reminds us, a man is justified by faith apart from any work, any work of the law. Faith alone is the means by which we are united to Christ and justified. Therefore, we must insist that there be no subsequent things like tongues, any other requirement for salvation. It is faith alone in Christ alone. So we've talked a lot about how we know we are truly born again. And we've talked about the fact that if we are wanting the approval of others, we're not going to necessarily have the approval of God. If we want to be well-respected by others, by our self-reasoning, we can miss the salvation that is given to us that is not given to us by a human source. We must also understand that there is this appearance of peace, but peace at all costs is a peace that could be given at the expense of truth. Let truth 
prevail. You see, liberty prevails, freedom prevails for the believer when we reject false doctrine. And then number four, when there is an appearance of external righteousness. Now, in Galatians 2, 6, Paul says, as for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God doesn't judge by external appearance. So, when we look at cultural or congregational Christian unity, kind of like this mushy middle, right? The truth is that salvation is given by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ not only changes our minds, he changes our lives. So, a question is asked in Acts 15, and here's the question. Why do you test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our forefathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we have been saved just as they. Paul is reminding us, we are born again by the grace of Christ alone. It's not by this external righteousness. You can be externally right, but internally lost. When we are born again, it's not an outside-in job, it's an inside-out job. God first changes our hearts, then our change of behavior follows. You see, you can have an experience of an external righteousness. As a matter of fact, the most difficult person to lead to a saving knowledge of Christ is not the one that has lost everything, not the one that has lost everything through addiction. It is the one who is living a pretty good moral life. They look at their lives and say, well, I haven't killed anybody. Uh, You know, I'm pretty good to my neighbor. I'm kind. I'm giving. That person looks at their lives and saying, "Uh, because I'm a pretty good person, I will be accepted by God. That's the most difficult person to reach because they're looking at their external righteousness, thinking they must be pretty good. But Paul reminds us that God doesn't judge by external appearance. God looks right beneath the surface, and he looks at our hearts. You know, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Paul reminds us that Christ has come to give us salvation and is given by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something else that we must look at. When we have been set free, we don't need the approval of anyone, and we don't have to be critical of anybody. Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, this is what Paul says. They recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. But Peter had to be circumcised. Wait a minute here. Titus wasn't circumcised, but now Peter is being circumcised. Different motivation here. You see, they were trying to force Titus to be circumcised so that he could fit in to keep the peace as a part of his salvation. Now, Peter here had to be circumcised for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. 
You see what happens to the gospel. The gospel of grace unifies us, encourages us, and guides us. Galatians 2, 9 and 10. James, Peter, and John, these reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. And they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked is that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So here Paul is giving us a little bit light as to what is going on here. Peter was to minister to the Jews. Paul was going to minister to the Gentiles. As a result of that, so that Peter could be recognized as one who is willing to work with the Jews, he was circumcised. It had nothing to do with the pressure to be circumcised. It had nothing to do with his salvation. It had everything to do to help him minister more effectively. You see, when you look at this, truth alone must determine our alignments. Truth comes before unity. Now, to remain divided is sinful. I mean, after all, then Jesus pray that we may be one even as we are one, John 17, 22. You see, there's a uh, chorus of voices that are harping a unity tune. What they are saying is Christians of all doctrinal shades and beliefs must come together in one visible organization regardless. Unite, unite, unite. Now, such teaching is reckless and false and dangerous. It is truth alone that determines our alignments. Truth trumps unity. Because unity without truth is hazardous. Our Lord's Prayer in John 17 must be read in its full context. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, only those sanctified through the word can be one in Christ. To teach contrary or to teach otherwise is to betray the gospel. Now, when we look at the essence of separation, that's exactly what we are learning here from the Apostle Paul. William Arthur Ward said, Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forget you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to live your life in the realm of walking in truth. The truth will set you free. We are sanctified by the truth. The Word of God is truth. Only those sanctified through the Word can be one in Christ. So when it comes to this matter of fellowship, in the church, the word fellowship usually refers to a body of believers who assemble for a a multitude of common purposes. Mostly friendly people meet for such things as worship and prayer and group Bible study. But other times, as we look at the word fellowship, people also meet for companionship and for camaraderie, and they share together with one another. There's numerous opportunities to fellowship. 
but we can only fellowship with other believers. You know, when we think about the body of Christ, God has brought us together. We have been called out of the world to fellowship together in the bond of unity within the church. We must hold truth in high regard because it's the truth that is going to set us free. It's the Word of God that sets us free. So thank you so much for joining me today on this broadcast. I'm sorry that my time is up, but we're going to continue our study on the book of Galatians. We've covered a lot of territory already, so please join me tomorrow as we continue our study on the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2 for the broadcast on Thursday. So thank you so much for joining me today. So Lord, allow your word to wash over us. Allow your word to fill us. Allow your word to change us. Help us to be set free by the truth of your word. Thank you for this opportunity to share today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if I can pray for you, that would be my highest honor to pray for you. Just shoot me a text message and ask me to pray for whatever it is uh, that you are facing in your life today. The number is 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for listening to me today. God bless you. I appreciate you tuning in, and I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.